Welcome back to Unemployed with Anna Roisman. You know it, you love it. It's the podcast for everyone. I don't care if you have a job or if you don't have a job. Today, I have I have half a job. This is my job today. So you know what? Sometimes you make a lot of money and other days you put the money into the work. That's what we love about this podcast. Um, I'm so excited for our guest today. I've known him for years. He's super funny. Uh, he's a very, very funny stand-up comedian. He's an actor. Maybe you know him from uh, a little app called TikTok. Also, he is the host of the podcast, The Downside, with Gianmarco Soracy. We've got Gianmarco Soracy with us. What's up? Oh, hello. Hello, hello. I should have said Jeff Goldblum's with us today. Because you yes. do it really. I know. Yeah, I, I think, but I think it's, I, I have to retire it. I think, I think I, it reached its pinnacle. <laughs> I have to wait until he lets me play his son or there Lifetime lets me play him in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I hope that happens for you. Um, it's the only impression I can do. It's not my impressions. Very bad at them, generally. <laughs> I even I even found an agent. I mean, it'll nothing will ever come of it, but I found an impressions agent in LA. No. Who, like if someday they'll I know someday there'll be some weird party, some billionaires will be like, We want to recreate dress. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, I have the one, I have the client. I love that. An impressions agent. God, it, the industry surprises me and, and amazes me every day. You know, it really does. Uh, there's a dog agent. I don't know if you knew that in New York. Ooh. Specifically, I, so dogs. The craziest, when my friend was pregnant, uh, there was an agent for like, you know, when you're six months to nine months, you, they need extras that are pregnant. Uh, amazing. <laughs> I was an that. agent for everything. It's all there. So specific. The seven-month pregnancy agent. Just, you know, she finds you the the one in New York. <laughs> yeah. That's great. How have you been? How is your life? Uh, I haven't seen you since before the world turned upside down. I know. I know. It's been good. I, uh, you know, I'm back on, on the road, just uh, hope hoping that there's not another shutdown. Right. Uh, but I'm feeling healthy and... Um, yeah, it's been cool. Like I was literally before the pandemic hit, I was like starting to have like a road life. Okay. And I had like four weekends in a row. I had all this merch to sell and then it all got canceled. And now I'm just getting back on it. Some of the gigs pay well. Some the margins are very slim. Sure. Uh, and, and the lifestyle is just a, I mean, it's, it's an exhausting lifestyle to like go to three different places, three different weekends in a row. You're like, yeah. And quite making enough money to take the Uber back from JFK. So you're taking it back at one in the morning, get home at four and you just, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. But you're doing it for the art, you know, and that's what, that's what's important. Yeah. yeah that mall in Oklahoma city that I'm doing it for. Um, no, it's, it's very enjoyable. I'm having a good time. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that it, it all got canceled. I feel like we've talked to a lot of people who were like had tours planned and had lives planned to to travel. And then they were yeah. like, now, I now mean, what? I got very lucky. Like Zoom comedy did. I made. I was going to ask money. if you did. Yeah. The Zoom shows. Because I love doing I them. Mean, I honestly I had to adjust to a, a much lower income because December I was just part of a lot of companies where they'd throw me in on these holiday parties and go and I do 15 minutes on Zoom and I could do six in a day and each pay, you know, 250 
or like I did one college and it fuck it's just fourteen hundred dollars for fifty minutes from my living room, <gasps> and I'm I'm doing another college, same money pretty much in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and it's like. It's it's you get spoiled, but I'm like, oh, I have to go to Kenosha, Wisconsin to do what I did in my living room right. for the same money. Uh, so it's it's a strange feeling. I I'm glad to be not doing as much Zoom, but yeah, it, it, it was good. It does spoil you for sure. I work for another app and I get to host shows from my apartment and I do feel that battle where I'm like, oh, I miss being on stage, but what I'm going to make at Union Hall tonight versus what I'm going to make going to my couch and, and being, you know, my charming self is a world of difference. So unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes and you got to uh, We'll see what happens with those companies. I was like, I was, I got cast to host a show for Rush Ticks. Nice. I did one. I did one. And then they were like, uh, well, now uh, it's going to be paid based on how many people show up. And I was like, oh, no, what have like there's all these companies that we'll see which ones survive. Yeah, I still have a couple yeah. Zoom gigs. There's still some places doing them. But uh, I, a lot of those companies, I'm sure, are really feeling feeling the squeeze and kind yeah. of looking at the Delta variant, like, Ooh, Delta plus. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I know. Yeah. I know. It's looming over all of us right now. Like even when you smile and you're like, I'm back on the road. I hope I'm like, I hope so too. <laughs> like yeah. anytime I mean, you I'm, like I'm, think about going somewhere, you're like, will I be going? Like I booked a, a, a hotel the other day for my boyfriend and I, for a wedding we have to go to next in beginning of sure. October. And because, you know, you have to, like, secure the room for the weekend or whatever. Oh, cool. And at, and like two hours later, I just like stopped in my tracks and I was like, I should have asked about a cancellation policy. <laughs> like, sure. I, I, I have a it. wedding. My girlfriend and I are going to in Hawaii uh, oh in November. And like, you know, and I did. I spent a lot of work. I got a couple of gigs in Hawaii. And I'm like, man, I hope I hope this all goes through. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of time spent. I hope so too. Hawaii, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I'm white lotus jealous. <laughs> it's a lot of it's it's big trip for this. It's an old middle school friend, my only real friend from like my childhood. Uh, but it's one of these things. Everyone there, they're not in the arts. They are they are wealthy people, mm -hmm. and I'm showing up like, all right, guys. Uh, any discounts on the rooms? Right. Um, they're gonna have me speak, do a little speech, but it's, yeah, I'm excited. Have you ever been to Hawaii? No, I've always wanted to go. Oh, me neither. We'll see. I was supposed to go for a wedding. Um, right when the pandemic hit in Same November, thing. no, <laughs> oh, the beginning, I mean, it got canceled. I lost all dad. the money. Sorry. They're making this. There's so, some of them are so rich and I'm just like, I just want them to know. I just want them to acknowledge that me going there is a is a you know a lot a of money deal. it's a portion of my net worth a significant <laughs> you could see it on a pie chart and you whoa that's a big slice of pie that's too much for one person <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully you say it on a couple different podcasts they'll be like wow this is special that he's showing up you know if they're supporting <laughs> yeah. your career they're gonna know they're gonna hear it <laughs> um, speaking of your girlfriend I'm, I didn't know that you were even dating this was a, a pandemic surprise for me and I love I, I know both of you and I think you're both great and I was like I love this pairing I'm thrilled to see this uh, online oh, uh, yeah, really was not. Uh, I I would not say that I was uh, looking for a relationship. I've been a, a bachelor for a long time. 
Um, Congrats. We, we both <laughs> moved to the Lower East Side around the same time in August. Uh, so she's like a block away. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, she she's a comedy manager, a very successful comedy manager. Yeah. And, you know, I first met her and I was like, oh, right. I recently left my manager. What's going on here? And uh, <laughs> but then but no, no, it went a very different direction. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's oh, like 10 months now. Amazing. That is like lot. pandemic and pandemic and living a block away from each other. Like those first six months were intense. Yeah, I, mean, I bet. But intense. I also, for those who don't live in New York, if you both live in the same area, in the same borough, like, you know, that is a win-win. I mean, like, if you, like, you can't oh, date yeah. someone from Lower East Side, like someone in like, you know, Washington Heights or, or Fort Greene, like these places are very far from where you are. So that's, I love that you, you know. If she lived in Queens, like, <laughs> this would still be a, a, you know, casual, not right. monogamous relationship. <laughs> that happened to my ex-boyfriend and me when we started dating. It was like, he lived uh, 10 blocks away from me in the city. And so we would like, Oh, we could share a car home from like a show or something. Like it was just convenient at the time. You know, I don't think that's what made us date, but it was helpful for sure. I had dated people that's in other birds. What made us date in this case? That's <laughs> yeah. what made us date. And, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's going great. It feels good. Good, good. I'm happy. I love the content too. You know, I mean, like it's very when nice. your relationship nice. status changes as as a especially as a comic, I feel like, you know, you have a whole new field to play with. And I think it's, it's fun. I like your jokes and your tweets. Yeah. And I still I figure out on stage because there's sometimes on stage, I, there's jokes that like only make sense if I'm single. <laughs> and so I'm like been figuring it out. And like the way I do it on stage now, this sometimes doesn't work. It's too mean for the, I say, oh, I'm still figuring out when to tell the audience I'm in a relationship. I find it works best after I've slept with the audience member. Right. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the audience is like not on board for that joke. <laughs> um, I love talking about my boyfriend on stage now. Um, it but is a good time. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely learned though. Cause I'm, I'm kind of a like burn it all to the ground. I talk about, I talk, I'll reveal anything about my family. And then when you're dating someone seriously, there is a new actor. And it felt like a new thing where I was like, oh, that's going to hurt her feelings if I say that. <laughs> so yeah. I just wait till I'm on the road and she there doesn't hear it. <laughs> I have a whole difference. If my family shows up to a show, oh, it's a different set. It's, you know, all different jokes. I dig in. I, I remember once it was so mean. Like, I'm clearly mad at my parents. There's no question. Some deep. <laughs> But I, I remember like my mom saw me in D.C. and it was the first time I'd done the joke on stage where it was like the only way my mom knew how to show me love was with Hostess cupcakes. Like when I got 100 percent of my spelling test, she let me have a Hostess cupcake for dessert, which is why even now as an adult, when I do something well, I get this intense craving for a better mom. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. There was something in me that I was like, I'm going to I'm going to say this with my mom in the audience. And I don't yeah, think it hurts her. It? I don't th I don't think it hurts her. The only time my mom ever got mad once I have a bit about like her giving her boyfriend a hand job in high school. And he became an agent. And the joke is that I gave the agent a hand. He said we gave similar hand jobs. But, <laughs> but I, used, I used her maiden name. Her name's Irene. I say Eileen in my stand up. Very good. I, yeah. I used her maiden name, Rothkrug. She's the Jewish side of my family. And uh, she was like, you called me. Uh, you were calling me a slut. And I was like, 
you think I was calling you a slut for giving a hand job in, in high school? And I'm like, mom, yesterday I called you a bad mother. <laughs> I don't care about that. I don't care about that. She's like, oh, this one slut. hurts more. Okay. I, you know, I didn't plan on this. Um, <laughs> I love that. So I like to take it back to our jobs. Okay. Obviously you're a comedian now you do this full time, right? This is. Yes. I mean, multi, many streams. But yes, I would. Absolutely. As a comedian, I would say I make money doing comedy the least. But, you know, as an actor, as a host, as a voiceover, you know, whatever else comes in, you make you make enough to say you're a comedian. Right. Uh, At least you you figure it out. Um, But I want to take it back to like teenage years. What was like the first job you ever had? Uh, So I did like the, the well, first let me say up front. My parents had uh, some money. I'm a bit spoiled. Okay. And I want to be, I want to be like, I've, I've tried to be up front. I knew I didn't Lay have student loans. I, I had parents giving me weird allowances. Dad with a lot of guilt. Mom, <laughs> stepdad, all sorts of things. But I did work in high school. I worked two uh, restaurant jobs. Um, one, it was about the same time. One was called Bamboule in Washington, D.C. It shut down. And the other was called uh, Mimi's, and then it was called Stars, and it was a singing restaurant. So oh, I did. I was a singing waiter, like fun Stardust Stars. Diner in in New yes, York City, but a much lower grade. Like the people at at uh, Stardust Diner, uh, they are sometimes Broadway performers. Yeah, they're between good. Broadway shows, uh, and they're very talented. <laughs> they're too talented for that that job. And uh, this was like a low grade. It was in DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. And uh, yeah, it was I mean, it's 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 a gig. Um, And I sang very classical Rodgers and Hammerstein musical theater songs. That's kind of (laughs) what I was okay at. Uh Um, And uh, it was surreal because you would sing a, a big, long ballad and then you'd finish and people would be like, why haven't you filled my water? And I was like, well, I just sang. You just saw me, you just saw me perform. I thought you were going to say the opposite where they see you perform. And they're like, why are you, why are you serving me water? Look at you. Go to, go to New York and get on stage. You're too that's, talented to serve me French fries. But that's what's sad. If, if you sing and they go, okay, we know why you're here. There you go. <laughs> you're, you're great. At, uh, so yeah, it's one of these things where it's like it is your day job, but it is the thing where people be like, "Don't quit your day job." Right. Like you're living your dreams in the midst of of serving. Which honestly, if if I had to serve, I mean, I I wonder if anyone's ever tried it with stand up comedy. It would be very tough. <laughs> very. <laughs> because, but it would be very fun as a waiter to kind of roast. If you could kind of roast the people, mm-hmm. good crowd work. You. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like they're going to suffer. Right? Some of those tips are going to be bad. <laughs> Yeah, because you're gonna try and do some crowd work, and you're gonna know your table and their order, right? So you're just gonna offend gluten free at seat number four, and you know, start talking about her. She's gonna be yeah. like, "This guy, fuck this guy." <laughs> but I, it was a uh, both good gigs to have. I mean, everyone should have to be a server at some point. Absolutely, um, I because say that all the time. It's just one of these gigs that, for whatever reason, people like they take out their anger on their server. And you truly don't understand until you as a me as a 16 year old boy asking the scary chef who doesn't <laughs> like you to speak to him at all to make a modification. And he's mad at you. 
right. that you realize, oh, I am, it's, it's just shooting the messenger. People just shoot the messenger and that's what the waiter is ultimately. Yeah, that's so true. Chefs hated modifications. They hate it. No cheese on a burger. I'm like, your life's easier. And they, it still blows their mind. Like they don't, yeah. they can't handle it. I, I had so many angry chefs like that. <laughs> Who I work for. Yeah, because they, they don't want to they don't want to be working uh, hearing musical theater songs, yeah. mediocre Broadway rejects singing as they cook. <laughs> and you just the working conditions. There's so much you I mean, I remember it like every time I get a lemon or a lime, I'm like, no one wash their hands when they touch this lemon or lime. This is like a <laughs> oh, truly God. a vile thing. Uh I remember the I, I always remember at Bamboule, uh, which closed, uh the plates were insanely hot. And it was like kind of like you joke like, oh, they're so hot, but they fucking burned your fingers. Oh, no. Wildly inappropriate. Um, And and you have to always have a smile on. You're like your hands are burning off. That sucks. Oh, man. And Bambule, almost everyone, staff, uh, cook, uh, owners were primarily speaking Spanish and I don't speak a lick of Spanish. And so I would I would definitely mess up occasionally. I would mess up some orders. Yeah. And it felt very overwhelming, <laughs> very overwhelming job. Aww. And both those gigs, I'm pretty sure at the time in D.C., paid like two fifty an hour. You made all your money in tips. All tips. Yeah. And uh, these restaurants, I just remember you'd work a slow night and they charged you. Bamboule, they give you. This is the one part I did like was they gave the meal. What do they call it? Family meal? Yeah. Whatever family meal. Like, before the sh- before your shift, you get like it's usually like a meat surprise or like whatever wasn't cooked the day before. Yeah, Bamboule, I think they did like cool. The chef was trying shit out. Okay. But stars, you just ordered from the menu and you got half off. To not give your servers a full meal right. at a restaurant where is insane, yeah. insane. I worked at fancy steakhouses in New York, and at the end of my like eight hour shift, and I'm starving, I'd order. I would order like a Caesar salad and they'd still like, which is lettuce to them. And cause I was cheap on the, you know, I was like, I'm not ordering a fucking filet and, uh, and they'd be like half off. And I was like, I still have to pay fucking eight fifty for this Caesar salad when I work the whole night. It's terrible. Unforgivable. Um, I wanted to ask you because I forgot about this before you mentioned your, your love of, of musical theater and, this is what happened. I saw a tweet from you about mus- doing a musical. It wasn't high school, though, right? And then The Rock commented on this, and I forgot to, to bring up your uh, congratulations on your viral news this week with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. <laughs> I was just making a, a light joke, a very lighthearted joke. He explained his shower regimen, <laughs> and I explained it was – there's been a lot of yeah, celebrities showering, showering and not showering and – and he clarified he showered three times a day, once in the morning, cold, once mm-hmm. midday, medium, and then once at the end of the day, hot. And I, I jokingly said, this is weirder than not showering. <laughs> and it, it was not showering that was weird. It was the rigidity of three times a day. And it was very at different lighter. temperatures too. At different temperatures. And uh, uh, he commented, it's not weird at all. And it broke it down. And all you really got time. through to him. I mean, I. I Someone must have tagged him. I mean, it's amazing he had time to do it between all those showers to, to get back to his fans. And uh, I started getting messages, you know, calling me stinky, calling me musty, very, which is very funny because, like, I've, I've had my feelings hurt online for sure. Sure. Stinky is one of those where I'm like, 
uh, like uh, I'll just go shower then or I'll go <laughs> deodorant. Easily solvable. This yeah. is not a permanent. You're not talking about my face or my personality, <laughs> things that I cannot shift. Um, so I pivoted immediately and I reminded The Rock uh, that he saw me and we both went to the University of Miami and he came to a production of Hello, Dolly, I was in. And uh, I've always <laughs> wanted to talk to him about it. I, I think years ago I tweeted at him saying, "I you saw me. Uh, and he didn't get back to that. But I guess with the shower thing, enough immediate attention was surrounding it uh, that he, he wrote this very sweet, very kind uh, about seeing the production. And he thought it was wonderful and lovely. And I remember when he saw it, he gave a, a standing ovation. We weren't like getting standing ovations for these college shows, but The Rock stood up. Wow. And uh, I think just a, a lover of the arts. He's, he's, he's so like glad. such a nice guy and so yeah. clean. I'm so glad you made that connection. You were like, all right, cool. We've we've done the shower bit. Hey, remember when you saw me perform? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And some people were like, oh, look at him backpedal. And I'm like, what about what do you want me to do? You want to fight with the rock? Be like, no, it is weird. No, you are weird. No, I, 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 I go, oh, cool. I'm talking to the fucking rock. I was a big wrestling fan, too, back yeah. when I was a kid. So uh, all very cool. I love uh, yeah. that. I'm still getting a couple uh, stray, stinky I go whenever I get a uh, you know a message from an unknown person on Twitter, it's someone going like, "Wash your ass, white boy," and I'm like, "Oh," and, and I just say, "Okay, I will." What a weird way I'll, to insult someone. I'll wash it. I don't disagree. The, the idea that I would disagree with showering, um, I I don't. I'm a big shower. <laughs> Thank you for thanks for telling. That's really what I, we just wanted to make sure you are showering at this yes. point. You know, I know you, well, we were supposed to do this in person, and after you saw that tweet, you switched to Zoom. I was like, yeah, hey, uh, how about that Zoom podcast life? Are you are you doing yours in person? Uh, I've been doing mine in person. Sometimes I do Zoom. It's 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 tough. I have a co-host, and if we're all on Zoom, it's tough. Just the interruptions on Zoom can be tough. Yeah, but I think mano mano, pretty much, it works fine. You know, did you ever do yours in person or were you always? Zoomed? Yeah, always. I yeah. took a couple months off because I was like, I don't know how to do it remotely. Like when the pandemic happened. So, oh, uh, I mean, I these are I've installed. I did it all from here, but I was in L.A. and I did it. I paid for a studio while I was in L.A. for two sessions. Nice. And oh, my God. It you know, they gave me the finished files. Oh, yeah. It took hours off of my life, like in a good way, <laughs> in a good way of free time. And, uh, yeah. Now I just fantasize about being able to afford a studio. <laughs> at the moment, we're operating at a loss, mm -hmm. a big fucking loss. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, this is your episode 75 for us. So hey, congratulations. Thank you. I, I don't know. I, I have like a real understanding when, when people, you know, just hearing the number, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I know. That's amazing. Good for you. <laughs> That's a lot. Good for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. So back. So you were doing theater. You were working at this singing restaurant. Uh, did you know you wanted to be an actor when you were yes. that young? You I was it. actor. I was gung ho about acting from the beginning. I was at the singing restaurant and I really was like, I was trying to act those songs. Right. I was trying to get people. It really moved in my apron. Singing songs meant for like 50 year old opera baritones. Um, did you go to Miami for musical theater? I did. I went to University of Miami BFA and musical theater. Love it. Uh, yeah, I regret it. I regret going to school for the arts. I'm very I think unless you're going to like NYU or a place where you're going to leave with a shitload 
of connections. Yeah. Uh, it's better to exploit your youth and be young. I just remember at 22 with an agent, she's like, no TV credits at 22. And I was like, oh my God, I've, it's too late. Yeah. You're like, I was in school the last four years. How was I supposed in Miami? I'm not, you know, able to act on TV. And the schools were so adamant about you not working Mm -hmm. just because it made it inconvenient for their curriculum. We, I, we had a, speaking of hello Dolly, there was a woman and she got onto, so you think you can dance. And they were like, but if you, and she was in the ensemble of hello Dolly. And they're like, but you know, if you, if you do the show, you can't do the ensemble in hello Dolly. And looking back, I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> she did. So you think you can dance, right? She did do it. Yes. And <sighs> was humiliated Did not get through. And she should have done hello Dolly instead. Big mistake. <laughs> but, uh, no, she did. A, she did a great job. I think she's still dancing. She's, you know, she's, I'm sure I was she's like, that's a huge show. And also the school, I would think it would draw tons of attention and be like, well, she goes to the university of Miami. Boom. That's on TV. You know, they show her and all of you guys performing together. And it's like, yeah, I'm here now. Yeah. That's great I, for them. I don't know. I'm very in, in my older years, I've become very anti college. Yeah. I have siblings too. Were, we're doing zoom college. For a year and you know the 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 money was pretty much the same and i'm like you guys were fucking scammed <laughs> fucking scammed yeah scammed but that was a good musical theater program you want to know something i think i audi- i auditioned for it and i did not get in to my parents didn't want me to go to music i didn't end up going to school for musical theater but there were a couple schools i was like I want to audition for this school and that was one of them because my dad went to university of miami for law school Ah. Yeah, which I think he he graduated, but I'm pretty sure he just grew shrooms the whole time and was like a (laughs) drug dealing law student. (laughs) Yeah, well, my sister was there or she's still there. She's going back. uh, But she had a fun like she my sister was in a sorority. She likes having a video. Snoop Dogg is passing her a joint. And I'm like, yeah, we had very different experiences (laughs) of this college. But I remember auditioning for it and I, um, you know, I love to be tan and I grew up in Philadelphia and, you know, it's, it was cold. And, and I remember my mom and I went to Miami and I laid out that morning before my audition uh. thinking I'm going to look so good and tan. And I was like burned <gasps> and I was like fully sunburned. And then I probably <laughs> went in and I imagined they wouldn't even know what I sang, what I acted what I did they were like this poor girl like she just fucking baked in the sun all morning <laughs> she'll die like, if she goes here she, she was not of the complexion yeah, for this I was school. like I'll make a joke I was like I'm from Philadelphia it's so nice to be out in the palm trees <laughs> and they're like okay <laughs> those college auditions were were brutal brutal oh. cold uh, uh, I had one I auditioned for eight I mean I was gonna do it like my parents wow. couldn't stop me uh, if they tried but I went to Cincinnati, Cincinnati School of Music, which was another big, good musical. Yeah. Theater. And the head of the school, they called him Bubba. And I like telling this story because I wanted to get back to him. So he came out and he was like, he's like friendly, but mean, gruff. And he comes out and he's like, are you John Marco? You're an hour late for your appointment. And I showed him my sheet. I'm trembling. And I'm, I'm not a late for important things. And I show him my sheet. And I, it's clearly I, I had the wrong information or he had the wrong information. He was like, Ugh, fine. Let's go. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting in here. 
well, I don't know what kind of miracle 180 I could pull with this son of right. a bitch. And it's like you paid. I paid one hundred dollars. I flew to Cincinnati with my stepfather, who doesn't even like me, to go get a degree <laughs> that he knows is going to mean he's going to be financially supporting me for five more years. And you're going to be an asshole to me. Oh, no. No um, good. No that's good. Funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't end up doing the, the BFA thing. I, I went to BU and I was a TV major, which that's better. That's better. It is, uh, you know, I think back now and I, there, there was a lot of stuff I learned, like editing and writing that I learned that I wouldn't have learned singing, you know, guys and dolls all day long. But at yeah. the time, that's what I wanted to do. I'm seeing, you know, comedians who have no acting training get the roles that actors would kill for. And no one gives a fuck because cast directors are like, oh, you're an actor. We don't care. We want right. to get someone who specializes in something other than than the thing we're hiring them for. That's mm-hmm. going to work out. The industry is a joke. It's a disgusting cesspool. Of, <laughs> you know. That's why I wanted you on this. I knew he'd talk. He'd tell it like it is. Yeah. Tell it like it is. But I'm, I'm really like, I, 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 you know, when I went to college, I wanted to go to BFA so fucking bad. And now I'm just like, it is a, it is a cottage industry of, of some, some teachers who I'm sure are good. I don't want to say that all teachers mm-hmm. are bad. But it is filled with teachers who either didn't make it or who maybe participated in the industries in the 80s and the 70s. And they'll say wacky shit to you. Like I I had a teacher. She was like, oh, yeah, when I got back from vacation, I used to call up the casting directors and be like, just so you know, I'm back in town. And they'd be like, oh, thanks, Susan. And I'm like, that's not what it is anymore. That's not (laughs) what it is anymore. You don't get to call casting offices. There's a billion fucking actors out there. And like, if you leave college and you don't know about TikTok and you haven't made a reels and you haven't, they did not prepare you for the business. No, no. not at all. They should have also taught you how to work in a restaurant, I think. Yeah, or file on, <laughs> for unemployment or yeah. any, any series of things. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So you go to Miami, you're acting, you're in Hello, Dolly. The Rock is seeing you perform. Did you come to New York right after that or did you? So I was in, I moved to Philly after uh, I was in an acting company with a teacher who recently passed away. Uh, rest in oh, peace. Wendy Ward. Uh, and fantastic teacher very volatile um which uh i'm into teaching wise when it comes to teaching acting okay Um, i wouldn't want to do it now i would be very like i don't give a fuck enough about this class but at the time i loved it Uh, and i say that from a place of privilege she treated the men way better than the women. Uh, uh, Women are notoriously treated poorly in acting classes, whether it be by male or female teachers. My theory has always been, and I don't know if this is sexist in its own way, but that I find that uh, women in general are better actors than men. So the bar is insanely high for women in acting classes where men, if you squeeze out a tear, Everyone goes apeshit. They applaud. They say, wow, this man, he took down walls. But for women, it's like they, they go, ah, oh, they can all cry. Ah, oh, they can all emote. And so they the, the teachers just don't appreciate the talent in the room and and that on top of ingrained sexism, blah, blah, all these things mm-hmm. that I think. That's so funny general, you say that. Now I'm, I'm thinking back to all my acting classes where I had to do scenes with a guy and I'm like, why did he do so much better than me in this scene? And the teacher, te- I was like, we did this and we worked on it together. And it's yeah, so true I, the way I you're really saying that. Men get praised in acting classes because we're just, it, it seems as like 
more uh, vulnerable if we show uh, an iota. I had a girlfriend at the time who was an actor and she was a tremendously talented actor, tremendously talented actor, still is. And uh, I, I, I just remember looking back, especially just the difference in the way we were treated. But it, it was uh, kind of a disaster. This teacher, like her volatility did not lend itself to like building a company. There were all these people there from Australia. Um, and the plan was to do this show in Philly and then go to Australia as a company and do shows there. Okay. But I think the show's did so badly, not even reviewed badly, like not even reviewed. No, my dad, my uh, God, my dad came to a show and he was the only one in the audience. Oh, no. And it's like a 16 person show that is not that good to begin with, like mixes poetry with movement pieces with some, I think some good acting, but like just weird. And my dad just sitting, and it was in a church. We mute, we moved the pews to set it up, and my my I can't even imagine what was going through my father's head. Um, <laughs> and at one point, he went to the bathroom. We just stopped, yeah. and waited till he got back. It was uh, truly. They stopped. They're like, hold hold the show, our audience member. Uh, yeah. Which happens to be John Marco's dad. Uh, thanks for inviting him. <laughs> so so humiliating. My oh God. no! My God. Um, and then we ultimately didn't go to Australia. The, the whole thing was scrapped. She kind of turned on the company and uh, fired some members who were there from Australia. Oh, so no. What are they going to where, where are they going to go? Uh, and it ended up being quite, quite ugly how it all ended. Yeah. But she was a great, great action teacher. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Not a good businesswoman. Great acting teacher. Maybe she yeah. needed some kind of partnership with you know another company to help her launch this thing i would not want to be an acting teacher in this day and age uh i'm sure many acting teachers are like there are things that they do that are abusive or like you know james franco just settled his lawsuit from his <laughs> sex on camera 101 class right 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 that yeah mm -hmm. which is wild to begin with but uh i i feel like acting like part of it is you gotta, you gotta like get intense with people and like talk about crazy shit. Yeah, and you have to challenge them emotionally, and it's like you can't even tweet certain things now, let alone yeah. like face a person, you know. And anyone could record this and take it the wrong way. And yeah, and again, I say it as a world. place where I feel like I was treated better than most. But uh, I, I just think it's a very tricky line, I think, really teaching the arts. And so when you like bring it into like a college situation where you have to teach everyone and some people probably should quit freshman year, you know, they, they, they audition and the audition process is grueling. It's also not really enough to determine like, yeah, you should spend the next four years not learning any useful skills aside <laughs> from tap dance. Right. And that's a big I, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like it. I, I think college is just too regimented and I didn't have any loans, but my God, my poor actor friends who had loans yeah. you start in this industry where you're making no money doing the thing that you studied to do. No good. No, no good. that's scary. Yeah. I totally hear you. Okay. So that was your first job. It didn't work out. How long did you stay in Philly for? So I was in Philly. I'd say uh, when I graduated, through like I'd say like half a year, three quarters of a year. Okay. 
Um, and then I, I moved to New York and I, I had a, a couple little odd jobs here and there. I did a little bit of catering now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is where parents helping me out a fair amount, but I was pouring that money into those casting director workshops. Oh, really? Because because I, I had this acting training. The company did not, again, school didn't really set me up for anything. The company didn't set me up for everything. So how am I going to meet the casting directors? Right. The, I, I think, again, one of those, I, I used to defend them back in the day. And in a way, I think they provided an access point. It, let's say, in theory, you're a good actor. I did some of them, too, when I first moved here as well. Because yeah. I was like, well, what? I did the I did them I did I approached those casting directors like collecting Pokemon. I was like, I have to go in every casting director, <laughs> catch them all. And yeah. uh, for those of you who don't know, in New York and LA and like cities where you know, probably Chicago, I don't know, any city that has performing arts, they have these casting director director workshops where even if you don't have an agent, you don't have a, an audition, you can sign up and pay money to go to these like workshops where they'll talk for a while and then you'll get to meet them one-on-one and like audition for them. Right. Yes. I mean, that's, yes. that's, the uh, I think they are not allowed in LA because the problem is like they say, and they reiterate this however many times they want that the, you're not auditioning for them because right. that's not how it's supposed to work. You should not supposed to be able to pay money to get in the room. However, they would also simultaneously brag about all the people who got brought in their office right. after seeing seeing the person. Uh, and yeah, they just list random celebrities and be like, "Well, we met this person. We met this person." They probably that probably wasn't the time they cast them in something though. They're yeah. just using their names like any you know. Yeah, and I got some auditions from it. I got I got my whole first original team from those things. But the, the problem with them, A, they're super expensive. Why could I do them? Because my parents had money. So when you mm-hmm. want to talk about like problems with diversity, whether it be uh, racial, socioeconomic or anything, I mean, this is one of the points where it starts. Right. That, you know, not starts college is where it starts school, where it starts. But this is a, a problem. Mm-hmm. And ideally, I think that back in the olden days is casting directors would would, uh, you know, they'd go to live theater, they'd go to comedy shows. Now, I think casting directors in their defense, I'm to speak for them, most of them are not paid sufficiently for that either. They're not paid well to begin with. Uh, But with this new system, I knew plenty of casting directors, and this leads to another job. I was a reader for many casting directors, sometimes at at these actual places I was then taking classes and got credits, or in Mm -hmm. person, sometimes unpaid, very inappropriate, or paid $10 an hour. But some of these casting directors were uh, making half their income off these classes. Yeah, so, I knew that. Yeah, and then and then again, they're not they're not delivering on their end of the bargain. Which again, you can say they're not supposed to bring you in, but they are. They're supposed mm-hmm. to really be looking. And so they're meeting everyone under the fucking sun. They're throwing all these headshots in a trash can. At the meanwhile, telling you make sure you have a headshot, make sure it's new. <laughs> Make sure it's stapled. And then they're throwing it right in the trash. Oh, um, and you have to go. And I remember the stress of that when I first moved to New York. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to print headshots. And they're like, well, you can only print like 600 of these. And it's going to cost you, you know, $700. And I'm like, oh, my God, like to print it. Like, can I go somewhere else? And it's like, no, you need it on that paper. This yeah, you is need the only it on- place that has that paper. It was such a fucking scam. I was like. Of course. And now now it's thankfully that part is kind of got, I got asked for a headshot recently and I purposely forgot it at home. So I was like, no. Right. No, Go online. Look me up on Instagram. Like literally there are so many ways to see what I look like and print it and out. One of the ways though, like you could tell I had a couple of meetings after my college showcase at the end of college, you got to do the showcase for, you know, 
the bottom of the barrel. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Who, you know, whoever your teachers knew from the 80s. And <laughs> you could always tell uh, the shitty agents because they, they would have like an old school office with stacks of headshots all over their desk. And that was a sign that they had, I don't know, 5,000 clients. <laughs> and I, I remember there was this one, I don't give a fuck uh, 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 about artist agency. Uh, and, you know, she, you waited an hour and a half to see her. And she took a phone call where she was like, hey, you got the job. You're in the national tour of the non-union production of Elf. It's stopping in Pyongyang, North Korea. You see, I'm a great agent. Look at me. And you'd be young. You'd be like, wow, I'd love it. I've always wanted to go to Pyongyang. And uh, it's it, it, it's all ter- terrible, terrible. Um, I went in to meet an agent. Wait, you reminded me of the funniest thing. I went in to meet an agent and... Um, I should say it's an agency I did end up working with. Not her specifically, but they make you meet the whole like team or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was way older to the point where she had no computer. And her assistant was like, we tried her on an iPad. It didn't work out. And I was like, oh, this poor girl has to print every breakdown, show them to her. It takes her, what, two weeks to read them? And then the roles are already cast. Like, the, but whatever. So I had to meet her. I walk in and I'm like looking around. She has no no computer. And I, I knew this. I was warned about this. And she looks at me and she goes, so I hear you're funny. And I was like, uh, yeah, I mostly do comedy. And she goes, yeah, yeah. Just by looking at you, you'd never work on Trimé on HBO. <laughs> I was like, okay. Good. What? I'm glad we, we eliminated that one. She's like, I, I had a client get on that show yesterday and it's not for you. And I was like, okay. Um, and then she made me stare into a fucking, she goes, she had dream catchers all over the walls. And she made me stare. She held a dream catcher up. And she goes, I want you to stare into this dream catcher. Uh, this is this is our industry, by the way. This is at a, at a real agency. <laughs> stare into this dream catcher and I'm going to guess your favorite episode of I Love Lucy. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, <laughs> Anna, just play along. You're an actor. This is where you act. You fucking go along with this. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, it's only going to be one of two episodes. No one remembers any other episode besides the chocolate one or Vitamita Vegemin. <laughs> and I was like, so I, I was like, it's going to be one of those. And and I'm thinking that in my head. And she, and she stuff she says, it's like, it's the chocolate episode where she puts them in her mouth. And I was like, oh, you are good. She goes, been an agent for 45 years. And I was like, okay. Fucking hilarious. It was I wild. Love that. I love someone who thinks they're psychic because everyone they ask questions to is in a position where they want them to like them. <laughs> yeah, they exactly. really think like, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's also though, like looking back, I think there was a different time yep. where there were less actors <laughs> And they really were looking for either they're, I mean, they're always looking for stunningly beautiful people, but also like super talented. But then with, with the influx, it's like a college client, someone right out of college is, has nothing, has right. nothing to offer unless they're fucking, unless they walk in a room and everyone goes, Holy shit. Or their <laughs> talent is out of this world. Legendary. Or their they, dad is a director in Hollywood. Uh, you know, yeah. A producer on Broadway. <laughs> so they pick their schools. They're like Carnegie, Juilliard, whatever, and, I, and Michigan or whatever. And they're like, 
oh, we can use that credit to pitch them to casting directors. Like there's just this self-reinforcing system where, for example, we all we were of the same era where to do be in commercials, you had to have UCB training on your resume. Mm-hmm. You could have lied. And there's plenty of people at that point. UCB, it's not like it was that selective. Uh, so but it became this re- self-reinforcing credit that everyone had to have. And it's the same with the colleges. So yeah. it's either like go to a college that has that and it's only a couple and they're very hard to get into or go to a place like NYU where at least you're meeting, you know, a thousand people, many of whom are going to become producers or write for Time Out magazine. Right. Or just don't go to college if you really want or go for something else or go be a movie, go be a writer. But it's just a different era. And I I feel bad for people. I think there's some people out there who aren't good writers. Daniel Day-Lewis never had to write plays Mm -hmm. or sketches (laughs) or TikToks. Um, I don't envy it, and I, I I'm I'm glad to be uh, to be a stand-up comedian as opposed to an actor first because it was a miserable waiting waiting lifestyle. Yeah, I want to know when that shifted for you because it sounds like you were really in the thick of the acting world with these workshops and re- becoming a reader and auditioning and right. You yeah, were like not, doing. I, it. I made I made good money like doing non-union before I had to join SAG. I was doing a lot of non-union commercials. Uh, none of them like broke the bank. It were crazy money, but like I was a baby bottle pop spokesman. And, and every time they did a new flavor, they'd have to bring me back in to be like new raspberry jam. Nice. And it's like 500 bucks for 30 minutes. And um, I did all sorts of that non-union work investigation discovery uh, where the, the crime reenactment stuff, yes. where, you know, you do sloppily rehearsed, like, you know, abusive husband, smash your head through a wall. And you'd film like an insane number of what would be an Oscar winning role, like in terms of the journey your character took, but you'd film it in six hours <laughs> and you'd have just pizza for lunch. Uh, but it was cool in its own way. Uh, you know, you're filming in a courtroom and you're testifying and there's no lines. You're improvising. everything. <laughs> um, and then you'd be paid 50 bucks. And I remember once I was in, in Ireland and someone recognized me in Ireland from investigation discovery. And I was wow. like, Man, I was paid 50 bucks for that mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And it was aired in Ireland. I love so that. So those shows, they were called like stalked and over my dead body and, uh, uh, mommy monsters or something. <laughs> so I made a smorgasbord of like those kind of gigs, little one lines on blue bloods. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, my, but my, you were mostly acting like you were like, you didn't have, did you have a day job at the time or you were just like, I'm going to do all of these random gigs. Cause all of these random gigs, I did a little bit of extra work for Wolf of wall street. That was pretty, yeah. that was pretty unbearable. <laughs> um, I, I remember, I mean, this is sad, but Wolf wall street, I remember I was working on Wolf wall street when Sandy hook happened and you know and i was like oh this has been an extra tough day for me now it's so uh it's so horrible that was a joke by the way don't worry i i think there was <laughs> someone left and uh it was uh it, it was it, it. being an extra is god bless people who do it i have no judgment of people who make their living doing extra work of course but i was a non-union extra on a sag production that means that when lunch is ready sag goes first and then you get the watermelon rinds after them. Oh, okay. uh, this particular job, they taught. This was a lot of men. This was one of these uh, boardroom scenes mm-hmm. for like three hundred male extras, male energy, 
uh, just in the background. And we were like fucking around. You're, you're, you're not supposed to bring your phone. And people were putting post-its on people's backs. And I remember at some point, you know, the first director walkie talking to the second to the third to the fourth and said, guys, Marty Scorsese said someone walked by and they had a post-it on their back that said, I have herpes. We need to cut the shit. And uh, it was, it was, it's extra work is hard. There's a lot of people there who like, some are delusional. Some talk about it. Like this is a step closer. Yeah. And for me, it just felt like I was getting to uh, witness my dreams in front of me. Like it's, it's like if, if the girl of your dreams were making love to Leonardo DiCaprio on top of you and you're <laughs> like, well, I guess I'm here. I'm in the room. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but just, just deflating. So, so yeah, I did a smorgasbord and whenever the acting work dried up, I would, I would try to do some catering mm-hmm. and the catering, you know, a very, very d- d- tough work. Sometimes the gigs would be good to pay 25 an hour. But uh, looking back at it now, as I got older, I would just start stealing shit. I stole a champagne bottle as there's this one gig. It was Macy's fashion day or something. Okay. And it was funny because we had to serve samples of champagne and these kids would run up and 15 year old, clearly underage children. And you're holding a tray of champagne and people are mobbing you. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Yell at the, like I put it in a position where I'm not a bartender. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be serving alcohol. And uh, that was the day that I I stole a bottle with a, with a fellow, with a fellow uh, uh, worker. And we got drunk off that. And that was fun. Nice. But uh, (laughs) then I was lucky. I I became, I got this general electric gig. This is when I started doing SAG commercials. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, this general electric gig was like, there was a time where you book a commercial and yeah. a house, but uh, commercials, we were right around the time where online commercials took hold. The money for them was garbage. SAG didn't want to negotiate a shitty contract. So a lot of them went non-union. We lost a lot of work. I mean, when I first started commercial work, and again, this was even when online was starting, I used to audition seven times a week. Mm-hmm. And now if I get one a month, sometimes it's like a good month. It really changed. Yeah. Um, it's totally different now. I remember that. And the first week I got like the first like month I was working with my commercial agent, I had all these, audit- I booked a job like within a first few weeks. I was like, I love this world. They flew me to Chicago. I was like a fucking movie star. And then you come back and, and, and cut to like the next year. It's like less and less. And it's like, am I not doing a good yeah. job? Oh no, yeah. the industry's changing. And Immensely. unfortunately I'm in the union. And so they're not going to send me out for the non. And then I'd see all these people getting stuff. And then I'm like, oh, they're non-union projects. Like, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. I, I did so many. I did one in a, in a dog costume. That's how I got my first agent. I booked it only because I was <laughs> six foot three. And I was in a dog costume. They said I might get paid extra. If they said maybe the director will have you lift up the head. So the whole time I was in the background, I'd lift up the head and they'd always go cut, cut, cut uh, a dog guy in the back. Put the head down. Keep it on. And but it was funny because I did get print. I got paid extra for like the print ad where it was mm-hmm. me in the dog costume. So you can't see me. But I got, you know, 1650 uh, for just sitting there in a dog costume. But I, I got this General Electric gig and it was a SAG gig and it was like three commercials. Um and it was like a big, they didn't air it like 
you can get an AT&T commercial and make six figures because they air it sh- that shit everywhere. Non-stop. Yeah. This was more targeted ads, but it was like a big deal. Um, and it, it played, you know, Colbert's first show. I remember it played SNL's return. It played. And it was like this bold comedic direction where General Electric was kind of making fun of themselves. And I was the guy who just got hired for GE. And um, that gig, what paid even more than just the residuals from that gig was there were a lot of live corporate events where GE would just fork over fucking money for me to go to. I went to Boca Raton, uh, New Orleans, and then the last one was Vegas, like a massive event in Vegas. And I got paid 15 grand for the day. Holy Uh, shit. And flying first class per SAG rules, flying first class, 15 grand, driven to the airport, driven to the hotel, meals. They even gave me money to gamble with. And (laughs) it was really hard not to. I ended up spending a gigantic portion of that money on filming a sketch series, uh, Matzo Pizza. That's good, though. It's good. It's good. I wish I I could have filmed three less sketches (laughs) and uh, had a more pleasant couple of years. But at least, at least you didn't say you said I spent a lot of money. I was like, oh, no, he sat at that slot machine for hours no, at God, that night. God. <laughs> at least you put it back into your work, which, you know, we, were doing, you. we did one Snapchat campaign where like they, they flew me somewhere else and I had climbed a wind tower and I got five grand. It was like Sick. and then they did three more commercials that didn't do were not as good. And I knew from the script that like they were going in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. but it was like it was pretty surreal and the, I couldn't help, but feel like, Oh, I've, I've made it to this next rung. Uh, unfortunately, as you kind of find the world between commercial and legit TV film, it's a, it's a, it's a big line. Mm-hmm. And some people have made the transition. Like, you know, the AT&T girl has that big acting career. Uh, one of the SNL guys, I, I forget it, uh, Beck Bennett mm-hmm. was like the AT&T guy, but they had other things going for them. But like there really is just this this divide. Yeah. And it's it's surreal to be on TV on a regular basis and feel like you're treated like a prince and you're making money and you can't get in for a one line on Law and Order SVU. Right. <laughs> it's uh, so true. There is such a divide. And they don't explain that to you in acting school. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh but it, I mean, it really, it was a, a huge blessing. And this was right around, funnily enough, like right when my parents really started sight cutting me off right yeah. when I booked that commercial. And, um, you know, there's always this mix where I think like, I if I ever had kids and if I ever had money when I had those kids, it's, it's, it's tough to know. I think to a certain degree, I like wallowed in training and classes and workshops as opposed to being really proactive with constantly thinking of like what's going to elevate me forward i was always like what's going to make me a better artist a better actor a better singer whatever yeah and i think unfortunately that that mindset was not it was just too much one direction um i feel the same with stand-up sometimes where i'm very much like just make the stand-up better i'm like no go hang out here mm-hmm. go talk to this um that's so true. And and you're so jaded at that point. You don't know, you know, better. Like, I think back to then as well. And I'm like, why? 
I, I appreciate, I was going to say, I, it sounds like when I was at UCB and I was like trying all the, you know, I was like, I'm not getting on the team I want to get on. Like if I, every time I did something on my own, I went out and I just made a sketch or I shot something, like I got further somewhere else. So it's always, yeah. you have to be able to, to get out of your head sometimes. It's and hard. Not. Wait, did UCB, like I, I, I sort of wish I had started at UCB again. I tried to like game the industry, meet all the casting directors, I'll skip it. Uh, and I had just been in an acting company that failed. So the idea of like joining another cult felt like I, yeah. I, I've been down this rabbit hole before. It does not end well. But like I, I sympathize certainly with people who, you know, I think sometimes people are more mad at UCB than is or they're mad at things that aren't quite fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but UCB felt like it was going to promise you that or like if you really put in the work here. And sometimes it's just like, man, I don't know what to tell you. Shannon might just not doesn't j- dig you. <laughs> and like, you know what? That means that you can't advance here mm-hmm. until there's a new person. You just have to find it somewhere else. But I get it's hard. And when you're younger, you're like, oh, no, I think I can break through. Oh, no, I think I can make Maude. I think I can make Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I went into UCB a little later. I got to the final callbacks for Maude. I didn't get it. And I think I was far enough or I had other things going on that I was like, sucks. Oh, well, yeah. seems cool. I, I feel envy for people who got to do the Maude thing. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. But I was going to say you found your way because you say you were in all these workshops. You're doing that. But then I see you, you know, at least when I met you, you were already doing your sketch team, which was very is is very successful. Right. You guys yeah. still do shows and yeah, yeah, yeah. you were doing stand up. You were making videos. I think you won Quickie Fest the first time I did. I did. I Quickie met Fest. you. That was yes. Cool. Which I was think- a film festival. I did. Yeah. So I, I again, with a different commercial, I did a German soda commercial that filmed in Cape Town, Africa. Wow. Um, crazy gig. This again, this was like this one commercials were good, man. I, I didn't even have a callback. It was the commercial was in German. They dubbed us. What? Uh, me and a guy named Jeff Solomon. They couldn't find who they wanted in Germany, London, Brussels, Cape Town, Africa. They went to New York. One audition. I flew to South Africa the next day. Holy shit. They didn't even need to call you back. They were like, he's the guy. He's $10,000 treated like a prince. And uh, I used that money to put a play in the Fringe Festival that I wrote. And it had a lot of like monologuing, storytelling. And um, ultimately that it ultimately went off Broadway for a run. But along that journey, I had a friend, Lindsay Elizabeth Hand, who produced Matzo Pizza, Mm -hmm. um, my sketch series. She saw us do a reading and she like and I'd done stand up here and there. And I felt like I was, I was one of those actors who said like, I'm also a stand up, and real standups were to, you know, spit in my face. Uh, rightfully so. But I was good at it. Something, something about stand up I was good at. I'm not saying all of it, but like something about what that is. And uh, I did this play. I did a reading and Lindsay took me out to lunch and like very, I still credit her or blame her depending on how I'm feeling very emotionally was like, you should do this. Mm-hmm. And I had done like, you know, I had done an open mic once at the Creek in the Cave in the basement with all these dude dudes. And I was like, this, I guess this is not for me. But, but that's I how like, I felt at the Creek in the Cave when I went to that open mic too. I was like, oh, I would have started stand up years earlier if I had gone to a different mic. I'm sure mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of sat down and I, I was a, a lonely boy. I stayed, I wasn't social and like doing stand up is it's a different life. I sometimes I'm still blown away that every night I'm out 
every night mm-hmm. I'm out. I get home at like one in the morning, average from shitty trains back from late shows. Yeah. And uh, I like had like a sit down and I was like, let's actually try to do this. And I think because of the General Electric commercials and my TV credits, it it got me into some places a little bit sooner than I might have otherwise. Um, and I think I did a good job of like recognizing like, oh, there's something about this I'm not good at, which was the writing jokes part. And I just went kind of crazy. I just went crazy in terms of like doing the roast battles and writing and writing. And I uh, worked with Kevin Labeson at the time because I was mm. thinking I was coming from a playwriting mindset. So okay. I wrote out everything. And Kevin, I, I hired to basically just kind of sit and like say these ideas laughing. And I just like gradually learned what like jokes were and, uh, you, you know, did the work. I did the work. And I I mean, then I did LOL. When I got into LOL, which is like a rough club, mm-hmm. uh, I did check spots. And when I got into check spots, I must have done every 90% of those check spots, four shows a night for like a year. Wow. And I I I did that's that's the time where I'm like, I earned whatever came after that was that because that was brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, I appreciate that you did the work, though, because I think you're a very funny writer and I love your jokes. And now you're killing on TikTok, right? You're you're putting a lot of your stand up jokes on there. Yeah, I yeah, see yeah. him. I see him. He's got such a good style. It's like it's like your 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 face. It's only your face. And I'm like, oh, you, only someone with good skin can do this kind of a TikTok. Like I need like <laughs> four filters. on. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, well, I've I've guy. been criticized on it before. I. <laughs> I I eat a lot of carrots and I think like I eat so many carrots like a bag of carrots a day. It's crazy. What's your secret? <laughs> I eat a bag yeah. of carrots a day. <laughs> I think the carrots they this happened to me when I was a baby. I think they were making me a little bit orange. Yeah, uh, I've heard the that. Carotene makes you orange. Mm-hmm. So I was getting a lot of they they stopped and it's because I cut back on the carrots. A lot of comments about how I look jaundiced. And I was like, oh, the, how do these eight year olds even know the word jaundiced? But I was getting a lot of comments about how orange I was looking. And I was oh, like, no. oh, so uh, I did. I did luck out in the skin department generally. That's good. But they let me know when I've had a bad night's sleep. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ellen knows when I used to host on HQ every night, there was a point where I don't know, I wore a dress and we're always quit- criticized for what we're wearing. You know what I mean? My parents didn't even know how to play my game. They would just sign on to see if the people liked my outfit or not. And uh, and they'd tell me after. And there was a night where I guess someone, they kept writing Anna's pregnant, Anna's pregnant in the chat, right? Do you remember this, Ellen? And, and mm-hmm. it was like, non, and they they feed off of each other. So if one person writes it, 40,000 people write it over and over and over again. And, it, and every night it started happening. It, you know, I'd wear like the tightest outfit I could wear to show I'm not pregnant. You're, you're punching yourself in the stomach. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine. Are you kidding? <laughs> I took six birth control today. And uh, and then so there there was a point where I was like, can we ban it? And we because we would ban things from the chat because, oh, you know, cool. people would say a lot of mean things. So they, they had to ban Anna's pregnant. <laughs> you think it was though maybe like maybe you had a glow? Maybe it was the pregnancy glow? I don't know. But I was very offended by it. Like more than someone saying like, you look ugly. I hate your dress. I'm like, why are they calling me pregnant? <laughs> I work really hard to not get pregnant <laughs> so funny uh, yeah but i, I get it imagine. i mean listen i know every time i go through social media stuff i'm like i know women deal with a whole different dimension 
Uh, I rarely, rarely get called anything. You know, it's mostly gay men writing me high praise. That's high nice. Praise that I don't deserve. And, uh, you know, God, God bless the internet. <laughs> I love it. Well, you seem to be killing it right now. And you have this new podcast out. So uh, I want you to tell everybody where they can find it, where they can listen to more of your stories and everything. Yes, please. Uh, it's called The Downside. Uh, I'm very happy. It took a long time to figure out a podcast I really wanted to do. I have guests on, but we just talk about all the negatives of their life. I like to kvetch, complain, yeah, criticize. I love this. It's kind of similar to unemployed. It feels in the same vein as unemployed. You know, I could have called it the employed podcast. We talk about jobs you had, but. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> I know like when I was back when I was dating, like I knew it wasn't going to work out if someone was like, you, you like to complain a lot. I'm like, yeah, that's how I communicate. I can have the, I can be having a great time and be complaining about things. That's just, you know, uh, yeah. and, and people say it's Jewish, but I guess it's, a, it's part of a part of our culture, I guess, to complain, but it's, that's the podcast is just kind of, it's a place where people don't have to, there's, I feel like there's so many podcasts where people feel like they're kind of spokesmen for mental health or spokesmen <laughs> for like being, living a good life. And I'm like, you don't have to be right. Or, or so it's a, it's a, like at, at the end we do a, this has got to stop. We talk about something that in society or for someone's personal life needs to go away forever. Mm-hmm. And at mm-hmm. the end we say one blessing for all, you know, the, the positive people listening. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a great podcast. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, you can watch full episodes on YouTube, find it everywhere you get your podcast, but uh, I'm really proud of it. Cool. Well, congratulations. Uh, and where can people find you online? Where you, all your handles? Give me, hit me I, with them. I'm the only Jamarco Cerezi out there in the world. So find me TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Rizzle. If you're on Rizzle, at Jamarco oh. Cerezi. Uh, and yeah, and I post all my upcoming shows over on my Instagram. Awesome. Uh, or, or go to my website, jamarcoserezi.com. Sign up for the email for all the tour dates. Yeah, I hope, uh, fingers crossed for your tour dates. I hope it works out for you. And uh, thanks for being here. You're awesome. I love talking to you. This was fun because I feel like I was in a workshop with you, I'm sure, you know, however long ago that was. I'm 23, so it's hard to say, you know. Sure, sure. Mentally, mentally. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's it. Everybody go find him everywhere and definitely watch his TikToks. You're killing it. And uh, and um, tell The Rock I said hi next time you guys. Uh, I will. I will. Communicate. Okay. We're going to go Thanks. take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a good episode. I love him. He's so much fun and he's so he's got so many good stories and he's so honest about everything. I'm glad his podcast lets you vent, you know? Mm-hmm. You yeah. Need a place like that. What's a Rizzle? Oh, I think it's an app. It's an app or website that does uh, short uh, content, like funny co- videos and stuff. I'm going to have to look it up. Man, yeah. something new. I, I have a friend who was working for it, and she asked me to to make them stuff. And it was kind of in the height of the pandemic. And I, I think I just kind of forgot until he mentioned that. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll revisit it. Mm. Um, oh, my God. He brought me back. It's so true. Commercials. Like, as a... As an, you know, I've wanted to be an actor since I was like born. So you always think like I would commercials. I would never do commercials. Those are like why would why would I like what vacuum and like that's acting. That's not acting. No. And then you graduate college and you quickly learn like oh my god, I'm not going to be able to be an actor unless I get a commercial, yeah. right? Like he was saying, he was able to put a play in the festival and do all these things because you have this money coming in from your two days of being on a commercial mm-hmm. where you have like one line. But then you think, uh, 
then you think, oh, well, now I'll be on TV because I'm already on TV. It's such a weird I know. system. Yeah. Because there are people who are so like so successful in commercials and then they can't get into TV. Like, yeah. you know, uh, like I think about Flo a lot. You know what I mean? The progressive Flo, yeah. lady. Like, because she's a comedic actress and I'm sure, you know, and she's probably super funny and she could be on all these funny sitcoms and stuff. But it's hard because people have really gotten to know her as this as this mm-hmm. character that it, it would probably make other productions like weary of hiring her. Yeah. Because it's like, well, I would are love they gonna... to talk like hear from her about that. I'm She'd sure she probably can't or something. She probably signed like I a know. million eight NDAs. Maybe one day we'll have her on the podcast mm-hmm. and we'll be like, Flo, tell us about it. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a nobody right now. So it's, it'd be cool. It'd be cool to yeah. hear that perspective. But well, I'm glad he's, he's doing well with it. And it sounds like what you get a, a couple of those sag ones in the beginning. Ooh, Ooh baby, you so are nice. I know. Ellen, I thought I was just going to be rich. As soon as I booked one, I was like, wow, it is great to be a commercial actor. Yeah. And then you realize it's like winning the fucking lottery. And like, it happens every so often. Yeah. And, you know, no matter what you do, you cut your hair, you dye your hair, you wear glasses, you don't wear glasses. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, such a tease. You know, it's like, oh, God. Yeah, it really is. You, you've, you're like working on commercials now, right? Like, Kind of, or like Well, I'm branded. working on those, yeah, branded content's not the same as a commercial. No, <laughs> but I feel like branded content became so huge in the last bunch of years that that's why- I know, yeah. We don't, we don't need these sag, expensive, that's expensive you were sag commercials. That's what you talking about. I was like, right. well, that's what I do. <laughs> I'm it's the one paying now. those awful rates. Because <laughs> yeah. no. all these big brands are like, we can get it, we can- we don't need to spend all this money. You know, we can get away with it by advertising on social media and putting in a quarter of the amount of yeah. money or whatever it is. Or you know? also like all of their money went into television at one point and then they were like, oh, people don't watch television all the time right. anymore. And now we have to like spend money on all this other stuff. Yeah. Everyone will spend the, whatever it is, $7.99 a month to have, if you have cable, they will spend, a, you know, that money to get a DVR so you can fast forward through commercials because I don't know many people, aside from my mom, who sit down and watch their shows in real time. <laughs> <laughs> my mom the other night, I swear to God, last night I called her and we're talking and she goes, oh, Anna, 8.59, gotta go, White Lotus starts in one minute. And I was like... <laughs> bitch you have hbo max you have hbo go you have a dvr you have all you can watch it you could literally watch it in five minutes but she doesn't yeah think that way yeah even my dad who like doesn't even have a smartphone knows how to use a dvr (laughs) so he can watch his like he he, like dvrs the news (laughs) oh wow yeah my mom will dvr you'll love this uh like tennis tournaments there will be like the men's finals in Wimbledon. And my mom will be like, don't tell me I have it DVR'd. I'm watching it tomorrow night. And I'll be like, yeah, what? you're definitely like, not looking at Twitter or anything. Nope. Like, she doesn't look at Twitter. Yeah. You know, no one's going to really post that on Instagram. If she goes on Instagram, that's the one she'll, she doesn't have Facebook. So like, she's legit, like able. And that life must be so nice. You know, I think about that. I think about how like, Wow, she's so excited to watch this live sporting event that happened and made news headlines all over the world. She's going to watch it tomorrow night and will be just as surprised as everyone else wow. was. That's kind of, I kind of envy that. 
you know? I know. It's, yeah, it's a, it's such a fresh take on everything. It's simpler. Yeah. It's easier. Simple. I get mad when, like, like, Jared was, like, trying to tell me his theories of who dies in the White Lotus. And, like, I was like, I don't want to guess. I don't like it. I like to sit down and just be entertained. I'll think about it throughout the episode. But I don't want to hear anyone else's theory. Like, same with reviews of movies. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a movie and I like the trailer or I like that actor or I have, you know, my heart set on seeing oh, it, I, I don't want to yeah, hear I, avoid, I don't want to hear anything. I avoid um, at all costs. Um, mm-hmm. Like, especially – with movies that I think are going to be terrible even. Like, yeah. I want to know for myself why they're terrible, so I Right? Avoid. Do not... Like, Cats was hard. People spoiled Cats before exactly. I even went to the theater. And I was, you know... But, it, it, yeah, it bothers me. It really does. I always say they're too hyped up. Like, Hamilton, I mean, you know, uh, that's a great example. I spent years and years playing that lottery to try and see it, Hamilton. And then I eventually went to go see it. And I everyone had already, like, talked about it so much and who they liked. And do they, you know, Lynn versus the new guy versus the – like, I literally heard way too much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's not enjoyable. Oh. It's a good show, but yeah. it wasn't the same as what it would have been. Yeah. No, you got to keep it keep it fresh. You know, keep some excitement in there. Don't spoil things for yourself. Right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe we should just not read Twitter news for an entire week. Sometimes Although when I get I so like- busy and I don't read Twitter for a while, it's nice. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, you feel good? You feel healthy? Yeah, and then you have, like, one day where you kind of just catch up on all the stuff that happened, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's good. Um, how was your work? How was work? I just wanted to ask you before we sign off. Oh, you know, let me just tell you. So I went out of town for work, and guess yeah, what I traveling. did? Mm-hmm. I went to Atlanta, and guess what? Um, there's a serial killer in Atlanta right now. And okay. I said, and I said, this is a perfect time to watch Mayor of Easttown. So I, I binged the whole show and it was amazing. And that's, you know, that's a show I didn't because read any spoilers for. there was a serial for. killer out? Wait, hold on. Because there was a serial killer out? So you were like, I better not go out to the bars tonight. <laughs> like, I could yeah, get murdered. This is so Let scary. Sh- Let me watch a show that's kind of like what's happening. <laughs> In real, in the real world. Wow. So, so yeah, that's what I did. And how did, did you love? I loved it. It was so amazing. Good. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it so much, and and that it wasn't spoiled for you. It was I hard really... actually to start watching it while I was out of town for work because I want just didn't want to work. I wanted to watch Mayor of Easttown. Got it. Yeah. yeah, I get that. That's great. Are you watching The White Lotus? No. So what is oh. What? <laughs> Catch up before next Sunday. Okay, okay. It's the new, it's honestly, since Mare, my favorite show to watch, which I guess that wasn't that long ago, but still, <laughs> they're they like my two favorites of the year. All right. I'm going to have to. You're going to love it. I know your humor. It's very like dark humor. You know what I mean? Okay. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm gonna, honestly, if you, you I'll know, catch you up. should binge it now because Sunday's the finale. <sighs> I got to catch up at real 9 p.m. And Lee Royston will be watching at 9 p.m. on Sunday. So, you know, nobody ruin it. Uh, you know, okay. if you get a sneak preview. Um, 
Wait, there was something else I wanted to say. I can't remember what I was going to say. We got to end this episode. This was so fun. John Marco's a dream guest. I'm so glad he was on. And uh, we haven't recorded in a while. This feels nice again. We got a, we, we got a couple coming up. So, uh, guys, support the pod. Go listen. Uh, the last episode was Joe Firestone. Amazing, amazing episode. Uh, definitely go and listen to it. I'm saying that now because we had a little issue with Apple. So the, the way it rolled out was not uh, our, it was not smooth like all the other episodes there's a glitch are. of sorts. <sighs> there was a glitch, and I have the email from Apple Podcasts to prove it. Um, anyway, go listen to it. Check out all the other episodes out. Send in your stories to unemployedpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I would love to talk to some of you if you ever want to be on the podcast and tell your unemployment story, uh, weird job stories. I, I, we're going to do some crowdsourcing episodes, so send them in. Let us know, and uh, and that's it. Find us online. Uh, I hope you guys are all employed, and I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> Right now, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who has supported our Patreon. This is your shout out right here from me. Tons of love. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, all of our videos go up there. Sometimes I just write fun things because I feel like it. And it's just a really nice way to support us at Unemployed. And, you know, so we can keep this thing going. We do it for nothing. We do it for fun. We do it for you to listen to. So definitely check out the Patreon. And right now, huge shout out to our patrons, Bill Horton, Chi of Steele, Danielle McCartney, Lori Jackson, Jeannie Logan, we got Joe Galati, Chris Arneson, Jordan Lucero, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, and Vic Terry. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much it means to us, and I appreciate you, and I see you, and I love you.